This is Golf Cask, based in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. Remember to swing easy, sip slowly, and savor every shot. We want to welcome you to the happy hour. This is our educational platform where we sip, learn, and repeat. Elevate your whiskey knowledge one dram at a time, where education meets the perfect pour. Welcome everybody to the new episode, and I guess new creation, it's now called Golf Cast. The speakeasy, I've got signage, dumb me, is dead. <laughs> so now we've changed our logo over to Golf Cast and kind of our show, and the main reason why is we're much more than the speakeasy kind of podcast that I was going for in the beginning. Uh, we have golf events coming up, and we have some other really cool stuff that we're getting ready to to kind of push out and get you to understand. So we're outgrown our name of the speakeasy, so we have become the Golf Cask, and you'll see some signage coming up shortly. Uh, today is our educational series on American whiskeys. Typically, the educational series I do by myself, but I have my friend, business partner in town, a whiskey newbie other than Jack Daniels. Um, so, uh, Mark. Well, some people would not call it whiskey. It's technically the Scots, a whiskey. The Scots would not call it a whiskey. It's technically a whiskey. It is technically a whiskey. It is technically a whiskey, so we will call it a whiskey on this show. And Jack Daniels plays its role in what it needs to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, have you had the Jack Daniels single barrel? No. It's not bad. Is that really? It's not bad. Uh, much so much better than their, that. Much better than their number seven. The, but again... <laughs> It is like the number one best-selling whiskey in the world. Of all time. <laughs> Jack Probably. Daniels, yeah. you know, th- th- that's why the Scotsmen hate it, because it's the only whiskey that rivals them. Because <laughs> they own the world, which is very interesting. So Mark is going to join us, and we're going to talk about uh, the different types of American whiskeys. We'll do a whole episode on bourbons, and we'll go into the, into the weeds on what makes a bourbon a bourbon. So this one's going to be a little more laid back, a little more general. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of tasting notes, so I'm going to have a... We're going to taste a bunch of different whiskeys that will kind of, you know, go through the, our main talking points today. So, Mark, tell me what you know about the different types of American whiskey. <laughs> what do I know? Yes, do you, I, know, do you I know, know the general types. I know there's whiskey and bourbon. I yeah. know there's rye. There are rye whiskeys. I know there's rice. Is there a rice? Not whiskey? in America, but, but yes. But Japan. Japan. Yeah, technically, it would be sake. Would be a right. rice. I know there's a single barrel. Single barrel. And yeah. I know there's um, small batch. Small batch, which would be a classification <laughs> under the big stratus. Yeah, but no, those I'm are kinda, all... that's I'm kind of out right. at that point. Uh, th- those are all good. So bourbon is the king of the whiskeys in the U.S. Uh, every bourbon is a whiskey, but not every whiskey is a bourbon. So if we need a Venn diagram of that? A Venn diagram. If you looked at American whiskeys, this would incorporate all of these. Bourbon, by far, is the biggest. What makes a bourbon a bourbon? Uh, in philosophy, we call that the law of excluded middle. Yes. Like every grass is green, but every green thing is not grass. That's right. So that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so the beauty of what makes a bourbon a bourbon is it has to have at least 51% of the mash bill corn. So it is predominantly a corn-based spirit. Now, there's other rules with it has to be aged in a brand-new charred oak barrel. It has to be to be a straight bourbon. It has to be aged for at least two years. There's tons of classifications. It has to be 80-proof minimum. Can't come out of the stills higher than once. There's a bunch of things. And like I said, we'll go into that for you really crazy bourbon heads. But this is more of, of general classification. So what I've found here is we'll start with a very traditional American bourbon, Four Roses. Uh, but this is their single barrel version. So it's a little... S- 
I like it much better than their small batch. So, so, th so it has to be majority corn. As majority well. corn. That's the one main rule. And it has to be at least a minimum of two years age. Two years and can't be too weak. Yeah. And we're just doing little half ounces. That's so good. What? What? Well, we're going to do a bunch of these, and then we're going to do a pour at the end. Okay. So, you'll get your I fill. I like the word bunch. You'll get your fill. We got a whole rack. We can be here for... We can be here until the camera every, dies. Every time we say we're going to do six, we end up doing 12. <laughs> yes. So I'm good with that. Because that's what we do for you, the listener. We are willing to take these arrows for you. Um, so, again, with four roses, uh, what do you think some of the... When you smell a bourbon, what are some of the things that you think you're going to... You know, as you put it to your nose... Like, what are some of the characteristics that are normal for a bourbon? Normal for, well, the smell would be more, is it more sweet for a bourbon? Yes, because corn is a very more, sweet more, grain. It's a very sugary corn, yes. right? Uh, sh the sugary thing. Yep. Um, what else I put in there? Is, is it, which one is like um, caramely? You, you is tend, that bourbon? Yeah, because of the sweets, a lot of times you'll get a lot of caramel taste. Uh, you'll get vanilla. And vanilla off, actually right? comes from the oak wood and not from the mash. Really? So vanilla is not put in. It is actually... It is a, a, a ester that comes out of the barrel, and they can actually tell you what part of the barrel it is and what part of the, the enzyme that is necessary so they can control vanilla flavor, which is fascinating. Um, so, yeah, you'll, you tend to get a lot of sugars. You get a lot of vanilla. You can, start, you can sometimes get spices, such as baking spices like clove, or uh, you can get hot, spicy uh, if it's got, like, a lot of rye in it. Uh, I know Four Roses is predominantly, I don't know the exact mash bill, but it's pretty high corn. So it's a, it's a very sweet bourbon. So in the nose, again, you get a lot of sweet, a lot of happiness. Uh, this is, again, this is, when I think of a bourbon. Corn makes whiskey. Yeah, whiskey makes my baby. <laughs> so, again, on the nose, we've got very sweet. Take a little sip here. Tastes like Four Roses. Got that first bite, doesn't it? The first sip is always the math. And, and here's the best trick that I, I've learned inside of whiskey drinking. Ooh, that changed a lot. Your first sip needs to sit in your mouth for 10, 15 seconds. <sighs> Swish it around. Allow your saliva to break it down. Add, take away some of that heat. If you drink whiskey fast, whiskey is not pleasurable. So you've got to learn to just slow it down. Take little That would sips. explain my last 30 years of life yes that explains most people's <laughs> it's pleasurable in a different way yes yeah, most but not the taste yes most people uh drink whiskey <laughs> incorrectly they drink it as a shot and if you take it as a shot all you're going to get is the actual alcohol because you don't have that okay, ability flavor. you don't get the flavor because you get a lot of flavor that kicks in later yep you'll get it after but it's burned so much you just don't really care so And the second sip is never nearly as bitey. Mm -mm. So what do you get from this? What's the after flavor that's kicking in there? I'm getting that. I can't. I'm getting a little oak. It. I'm getting a little vanilla at the end. A little vanilla, yeah. I'm getting lots of sugar. I just get, comes in very sweet for me. I get lots of sugar, lots of sweet. I get a little bitey. I get a little alcohol burn. I get a little bitey. Yeah. Single barrels, a little higher proof than they're, they're typical. So I'm catching a little of that, and then it swings back, sweet, a little vanilla note, a little bit of oak. <coughs> Sorry. But that's kind of, to me, like I said, it was we did a blind tasting a couple weeks back with the, the local whiskey club, and we had to guess the bourbons and four roses. I took the sip immediately, and I was like, well, I know this one. Boom. It tastes like four roses. Um, again, I'm a, I like their single barrel. I have their small batch over here. Not the biggest fan of it, but everyone has their 
their favorites. I think but I've got the small batch at home. Small batch is good. It's it, again a small batch. Oh, we might as well talk about it. small batch would be a blend of certain barrels that they bring together. And what the blender does is a lot of times they're looking for consistency. So they'll take multiple barrels and consistently blend these barrel types to give you that flavor. Um, single barrel comes straight out. So we, he kind of talked about this cash strength, barrel strength. Uh, anytime you see single barrel means that it actually came from one single barrel. Basically poured from the barrel straight into the... So you get variance between barrels. Yes, and you get variance in flavor. So the one thing you learn about single barrels is sometimes they're spectacular. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> there's, the, there's, the, there's the roulette game. So averages work, right? Yeah, but, but more <laughs> On time, average, it's pretty good. But more times than not, it's going to actually be really good. I actually saw a really cool, um, like a person that had two of the Russell Reserve single barrels. And they, he came from two different parts of the Rick House, and they had two completely different flavors. So just same mash bill, same everything went in the barrels, just came out a little bit different. Hmm. So single barrels are a little, when you get blended, and most scotches are blended, and the reason they do that is they want to give you a very consistent flavor every time, and it's cheaper if you blend a bunch of different barrels together. Why is it cheaper? Because you can dictate how old, single barrel, so if it's in the barrel for eight years, this is eight years straight, what it is. So I could take a two-year-old and a six-year-old i could take an 18 year old and i could start to blend them together mm -hmm. and create a flavor so it's much cheaper to blend multiple years into a single spirit opposed to just running a single barrel mm. so that's what you'll kind probably of probably reduces some risk also yeah and, and the beauty is the distillers are so good that they know the tasting is they can really make every every small batch four roses within a very tight variance taste like if small batch Hmm. Every small batch, uh, single barrel might have, it's going to taste similar, but it could have just this little touch of something different. Um, so so that's kind of your bigger uh, changes on the subject. So this would be your traditional American bourbon. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting on you to finish. Uh, sorry. And again, you know, American bourbons, God, you, there's... Are there bourbons outside that are not American bourbons? No. I don't think so. To be a bourbon, you have to be it's in the U.S. Be you don't have to be Kentucky. So, yeah, so why do why I was always told that if it's it has to be from Kentucky to be a bourbon. No. Kentu that's, a, that's a falsehood that, I was talking That is a falsehood. Uh, most people know Kentucky as the home of bourbon. Um, so most whiskeys that people think about, you know, your Buffalo Trace, your Wild Turkeys, all those are coming out of Kentucky. Basil Hayden, you know, Russell's is... All, all those are Kentucky bourbons, but the law states any any corn-based whiskey that has been aged for a certain amount of time comes out of a certain proof, comes out of a chair under these parameters, and from the United States of America is a bourbon. Gotcha. So, so you cannot have an Irish bourbon. The Irish are doing some really cool stuff in making bourbon mashes, and they're doing it a little bit different, so they're creating their own bourbon, but it cannot be a bourbon. Gotcha. All right, so what we'll do next... We'll switch glasses. We'll go right into the rye. What do you know about rye? Whiskey? I don't know anything about rye, so I'm dying to hear about rye. All right, so rye whiskey. Um, in Europe and, um, you know, Scotch and the Irish, they make basically single malts, so they use malted barley. So to be an American rye, you have to be at least 51% rye. So it has to be the biggest grain. Like bourbon has to be 51% corn. Rye has to be 51% of the mash bill. I think in Mitchers, it's about 53. Corn's right around 33. Malted barley's in the 
low 20s. So that's kind of where they get their flavor from. So what we know about rye, rye is easy to grow in America. George Washington, who was actually the largest distiller in the world, and at least in America, uh, he tried to make, he brought a Scotsman over and tried to make... George Washington, the president. The president. He actually was the largest distiller for the longest time in the U.S. He brought a Scotsman over and tried to um, make malted barley, but they couldn't grow it in, in the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. The prominent grain is rye. So what you, so why you see rye whiskeys a lot in the United States, especially throughout the Northeast, is that's the number one grain that was easy to grow back in the day. But rye gives you a completely different flavor profile than corn or malt. It tends, smells totally different. Yeah, it tends to be a little spicy, a little bitey, and... Smells completely different than it's that. It's not sweet. Than the last one, yeah. Yeah, you don't get that no corn sweetness. sweetness. At all. No. Yeah, there's some, there's a little bit, but it's definitely not, 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 it's not, not an overpowering. Yep. So take a little sip and just know this one's going to be a little. By the way, do you know that, that it, they took every president of the United States and adjusted their net worth for current day values? You know who the richest president in history was? George Washington. George Washington. Oh. By a mile, not even yeah, close. He, he, he had all kind of stuff. Like, not even close. But it, here's what's also cool is do you know why? All of the whiskey makers went to Kentucky. Something about the law. Because George Washington then passed a law taxing the colonies for that were making whiskeys with malts and rye and whatnot. But Kentucky at the time was not a not state. Not a colony. So uh-huh. they went outside, and that's why Kentucky. And come to find out, it was easy to grow corn. They had wonderful water. All that things to make a great whiskey. Yeah. But really what drove the whiskey makers out of the colonies was taxes. Imagine that. <laughs> Taxes change behavior? No, stop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it caused physical migration of workforce? Yes, no. Yes. So go ahead and take a little sip here. <laughs> to rye. So different. It's so different. I... I I never knew the difference between rye and then... It's like not even the same drink. I do like Irish whiskey, so Irish tend to be very smooth, very friendly, very happy. Uh, I love rye. Complete polar opposites, like the red-headed stepchild, like, just doesn't match the Irish profile. But I absolutely love rye because it is punchy. It's different. It's not. It's nothing, the, nothing of the sweetness that the, the bourbon had. To me, bourbons <clears throat> get too sweet. I... It, I, they just See, I don't mind the sweet. Yeah, I, I like they the get sweet. a little too sweet for me, so I like a rye. Maybe that's why I like Jack and Coke. <laughs> well, the Coke's definitely going to get sweet. sweet. But th- so this would be a rye. We do have Whistle Pig up here at 12 years. That's another rye. Um, and then we also have what they call finished. So you have finished casks. So a lot of American whiskeys now, you'll see it. a bourbon can't be finished. A bourbon can only have What's certain criteria. Finished means they put it in a barrel at the end to change the flavor profile. Oh. Profile. So Angel's Envy for, is actually Kentucky straight bourbon. It's been aged for at least two years. It fits all the criteria to be a bourbon, and then they put it in a rum cask. So as soon as they put it in the rum cask, it's no longer so allowed to be bourbon. Oh, it's no longer a bourbon. It's no longer a bourbon. Then they'll then they'll you'll see them use like finished so bourbon. It's just a whiskey. It's a whiskey at that point. Because bourbon has really got certain guidelines, it has to be okay. this or that. So, um, and the other thing we didn't talk about with bourbons is with bourbons with their mash bill. Typically, corn we said is highest. Sometimes you'll hear high rye or high wheat. Um, what that means is they put a, the second grain that they put in would be very high value, like Bullet. Uh, for anyone that's had Bullet bourbon, 
their rye is very high. <laughs> so corn is the highest, and then rye is really high, and they use a little bit of malt. So you get this sweet, and then you also get the pepper. And then things like Woodford and like that do the same thing with wheat. They go, Pappy is actually another wheated bourbon. So again, high in corn, but then they add wheat as their second grain. So what is bullet? Well, bullet is... It's a bourbon. It's a bourbon, right? But, but it's a high rye because they put okay. the second value. Is, they do make a rye that is 51% rye, but they, but the the traditional bourbon is actually, or their traditional frontier bourbon is, it's it's a bourbon, but it just has a high rye count. So you get that mm. cinnamon, hot, spicy in the middle. Any flavors that kind of jump out of you with this? Well, I can't identify what the flavor is. There is a flavor that's jumping out, but I don't know what it is. To me, I get baking spices. I get, I get like, you know, kind of like what you'd bake with, like a, you get, you get a cinnamon, kind of clovey, like very baking spicy, is what I when I when I think of this, I tend to get a lot of cinnamon, a lot of, like what what you'd make in a yeah. in a Christmas bake, like huh. like sweets and all. I tend to get a lot. This has a little bit of sweetness because it does have corn and it does have some malt in it. But I think Mitchers actually, to me, is actually pretty good. If you want an introduction into a, a pretty smooth rye, uh, the finish on it is short. Like, it hangs out, and then it just kind of, you, you know, it doesn't last. It's very short, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't last very long. The Four Roses last would be kind of medium, but to me, the Mitchers, it, it's, you know, it's like a... It's done. It's a friend, comes in, sticks the head, and, and just turns Don't around and leaves. Don't stay too many nights. Yeah, and then just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on, I'll be on two. That's it this time. All right. So <laughs> now we'll jump over here to American single malt. So what is a single malt? So if you hear the word single malt, what does that mean to you? I have no idea. All right. So what what grain do you think they're using in a single malt? Barley. Barley. So it is malted barley. Um, this is what scotches, Japanese whiskey, and Irish whiskeys are really known for. Hmm. I like this but well. in America, they are now creating, there's a bunch of American uh, single malt companies, and actually one of them here is it, based in Virginia, and we'll be touring that in December for our Irons and Oak Golf event if you want to come in. Is this town. the one? Yes, this is it. So this is American single malt. Uh, so this one is actually a blend of bourbon cask. Um, sherry cask and cuvee cask. So it's a it's a, a blend. It's kind of their trademark. Courage blend. and conviction. Courage and conviction. And That's you'll a cool name. You'll learn all about the that was actually the slogan of uh, kind of the ethos of the guy that started it, who died right before they opened, and they kept the courage and conviction line with his name. That's a cool name, and I would imagine the more whiskey you drink, the more courage and conviction well, you get. Well, as a golfer and as a whiskey enthusiast, we love a good story, and the story gets better and better over time. Like, I just hit it 280, then it's 290 by the time I get to the 19th hole. By I leave the 19th hole, I just peered at 330, and then <laughs> six months right later, you screws. remember that hole I drove, and it almost went in the <laughs> hole? You know, we're like fishermen. We tell great stories. So this is a single malt. Uh, so this is 100% malt barley. There's no corn, there's no Nothing rye, it's it, just 100%. So what is really cool about malt, malt or barley, when it's been malted, it really breaks down the sugars very well from the starches. So it's a great, great enzymes for you to create whiskeys. So it, it, it'll... It's very different. Very different. It's very, very different. Woo! 
So that that would be a barley taste. Yes. Wow, that's different. So your single malts, most single malts are going to taste somewhere. Again, they're going to be different. But to me, when I get when I taste a single malt, I immediately get bread, yeah. kind of bakery like. I'm, no, it's not a loaf of bread, but you're getting those flavors, the flavor notes that you're getting. Because, again, it's a cereal, right? I'm thinking this is like the healthy cereal that your mother made you eat when you were growing up as a kid. Like you wanted the Fruit Loops, but she bought you the... Lucky Charms. Yeah, Lucky Charms. I love Lucky Charms. But but she made you eat the malted barley healthy cereal. This is kind of... <laughs> I was eating Lucky Charms since the 70s. And I think this one's been aged four or five years. Um so here's what's kind of interesting about aging. This this topic we're just going everywhere right now. So aging with whiskeys, what's cool is what you see in Ireland and in Scotland. You start getting 15 years, 20 years. You get these huge, huge years in the barrel. But if you look at the color, like of a, I think green spot is roughly eight. You can see how light that is. Mm -hmm. And then you go, you know, four roses that's been in the barrel for maybe three to four years, and it's a much darker shade. So what's cool about the United States is in Europe, Scotland, and Ireland specifically, they're very temperate. Like, the temperature doesn't swing a lot, right? So it's, like, in the States, I was just, like I said, I just did a tour at the uh, Virginia Distilling Company getting ready for December. If you haven't signed up, you need to. Sign um, up. We're going to be there. Yes. Um, Golf and whiskey. Inside of their, their warehouse or their cask house, in the last year, they had a temperature as low as minus four, and they had a temperature as high as 104. Cool. So these barrels are going through. So they're through. not temperature controlled. Well, no. no. Most, most of them are not. Some do. But majority of Rick houses are not. It's just the environment. So you've got to think, the hotter the weather, the more the whiskey wants to go in and out of the barrel. The colder the weather, it stays out of the wood. So the reason that Irish and Scotch have to be in the barrel for long years is they need that extra time to sit in the barrel because they don't get a lot of movement. It never gets really hot either. Exactly, So because it doesn't move the whiskey very yeah. much, so it needs more time to age. So the really cool part is they say the, the kind of the, the ideal aging for an Irish and a Scotch is probably about 15 years. It's kind of like you start hitting that sweet spot. If it's in the barrel too long, it starts to get kind of woody flavored, and, and you lose the, the whiskey. You just taste the wood. In the U.S., it's about seven for a good bourbon. Oh. Texas, because it's so hot, it's about two. So Texas distilleries, it, man, it is. So what, so what I don't get is how you, if you're in Scotland and you start a distillery mm-hmm. and you can't put anything out for 10 to 15 years, how do you, how, how does that business model work? You make moonshine, you make vodka, you make... You just, you just make something else you, and you, you make wait a bunch for of your whiskeys, whiskey to come out. And then you release some whiskeys early and they'll be young. Or you move and, to Texas. Or you move to Texas. <laughs> uh, and that, and it's really cool because in the American single malt, they're getting ready to pass kind of legislation. Uh, and one of the things that they're pushing for with the legislation, and, and the interesting part, because you, you could say, all right, why are we going to legislate? Doesn't that hurt you that the government's dictating what you can and can't do? With bourbon, I think so, because they put so many rules. It's a little more lax, but it also protects you, the consumer, because one thing I do know is corporations on a, or people might not be completely honest and forthright. No. They might call it an American single malt and not age it what it's supposed to. So they're actually putting guidelines, but one of the things that they were pushing for is to take away the age statement, because there's actually two really good uh, single malt uh, distillers in Texas. But if they, had the, if they forced them to do seven years, let's say, 
it would be awful tasting. Because you'd go through the cycle. Because it would be in the barrel for so... Well, one, it would evaporate because it's so hot. Yeah. It would be in the barrel. Well, for I grew so, up in Texas. I don't I think, know how hot Texas Yeah, is. I think a lot of times they'd probably open up a barrel and really not have much left in it. Uh, so they're really oh pushing God. to that. But, but yeah, so the age statement is how long it sits in the barrel, and it brings up those flavors. Uh, and it brings the color because you know that the color when it goes into the barrel is actually clear. Right, when it comes no, out I, you told me that last time, and I still can't quite process that. This color comes from the barrel, from the char, from the oak. That's where the actual coloring comes from. Now, scotches, bourbons, you can't add coloring. Scotches, Canadians, Irishes, I don't think, yeah, I think Irish, you might be able to, no, I don't think Irish allows color. But there are certain countries that do allow color to make sure that your whiskey looks the same. But most American bourbons can't. It's like no-go can't add coloring. The only color comes from the barrel. So the beauty of American bourbons, when you see the color, that gives you a good sense of how old it is. Mm. So it's very light. You darker, know, it's young. Older, yeah. Darker. It gets, you, so again, you can start to look at your whiskey and go, this is young. It's probably under five years. This is getting kind of honey spot or this is kind of getting old. Because again, if you look at this, here's a 12-year... Um, is that American? Yeah, that's a whistle pig. It's a rock. But you can see how dark that is. Dark, yeah. In relationship to, um, yeah, again, you get a green spot that's about six to eight. I tell that's right. Yeah, kind of six to eight, you can kind of start to see the color differences in the bottle. Uh, yeah, very, so, very much lighter. Yeah, so, so the beauty is, is once you start paying attention to these things, you can really, you know, I, I say you're, you're a newbie until you can actually start to smell and taste a difference. And I'm not saying you need to say, I taste this and it tastes like a Jack Daniels or this is a Four Roses. But if you can go, nose, it seems bourbony and I see and it's sweet, it's a bourbon. Or maybe it's a weeded bourbon because it's really sweet or whatever. At that point, I think you're getting into the kind of intermediate stage because now you're starting to be able to classify. So you, by smelling it and saying rye. Yeah, I've never been able to pull that apart, but that, yeah. that one was definitely yeah. rye. That's a really good rye. Based it's, comparison with our, our rye we just drank. Very similar. So that's an American single malt. How'd you like that one? Good. Very different. Very Irishy scotch tasting, which I yeah, think is very nice. different. We haven't had anything peaty though. I had something I had something a couple weeks ago that was heavy, heavy peat. But it's you're usually sweet. That's what's really weird. If you get a really good peated whiskey. I don't know what it was, but it, but it was Peaty, peaty, peaty. It tends to be ungodly sweet, which doesn't make sense. My uncle handed it to me. Yeah. I just drank it, so I don't... I was at a wedding. Right. He goes, drink this. I'm like... All right, so here's something cool. This is actually a straight um, whiskey. This is actually an American. And if you come in December, you will have this as a tasting. Cool. And you'll probably be able to win a bottle. Um, so this is actually a weeded bourbon. There you go. So this is actually a weeded bourbon. Weeded bourbon. So what does a bourbon have to be? Wait, bourbon's got to be mostly corn. So it has to be at least fifty-one so percent corn. Next one is wheat. So the next highest uh, batch would be wheat. So you're getting versus a rye. Corn. Double no, yeah. rye majority. Oh, rye. most a lot of American whiskeys are usually corn, a little bit of rye, a little bit of malt, or barley. Because you need the barley. The barley is just a great enzyme. It's just perfect. So what makes it malted is it's actually barley's a grain. So what they do is they flood it with water and it starts to sprout. And then they hit it with heat. And that stops the sprouting process. Because once it sprouts, that's when you can get the starches from it. But when it's in its cut husk, it's hard shell, you can't do much with it. So they trick the barley to kind of come alive. And then they can uh, mm. run with that. 
So, what do you smell on that? This is a wheat bourbon. It's a bourbon, but it's it's a high wheat. It's much less sweet smelling than the original bourbon we had. The Four Roses is is definitely a sweet bourbon. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of what it's four, closer to the rye smell than the bourbon smell to me. What's interesting about the Four Roses is they use a special um, yeast that actually makes it very sweet. They have their own. What is that? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. I can't. I like. I. I can't identify the flavors. That's that was a flavor we have not tasted yet. Yeah. So to me, is that wheat? Yeah. This is something else. This is a wheat. So wheated tend to be sweet. I mean, because it's corn is sweet. Wheat is ungodly sweet. You eat bread. You eat corn cereal. Like you eat your wheated cereal. Like wheat is sweet. So you put corn and wheat together. When 80, 90% of your mash. Double sweet. And then you throw malt. Malt is the, usually the last enzyme, which is sweet as well. So you're kind of like the trifecta of sweetness. So weeded tend to be really sweet. On the nose, I'm getting butter. Second one was way smoother than the first one. I'm getting butterscotch. I'm getting kind of that. Maybe that's what it is. I'm getting kind of that. It's not caramel. But it's, it's not caramel. It's a little lighter. It's a little sweeter. It's a little yeah, fruitier. It's not caramel. Definitely, I get a little more fruit. Not a dark fruit. More like an apricot pear. Like a light fruit. Not, not orchard flavor. But to me, I'm, again, I would say it's a definitely pear. lighter. I would go butterscotch and pear. And as I sip it, to me, ungodly smooth. I get very a, smooth. A little bite in the so middle. This again? So this is actually lost. This is my favorite. Lost. This is probably my favorite Virginia whiskey. Didn't we have a taste of this last time I was here with Chris George? Do we have this or not? I don't think we did. Maybe we didn't. I don't think we did lost. And I have their rye bourbon, which is really hard to find. But I was able to secure ten bottles for December. Four. Event in December. Iron and Oaks. So make Iron sure you show Oaks, up. Let's I go. Was, so again, this is probably one of my favorite. It's nice. Uh, it's very easy. Easy yeah. drinking. My, nice. my wife loves this one because it's very smooth, very friendly. Uh, and that's what most weeded are. The weeders are Maker's Mark are, are your big brands. Like So Maker's Mark, um, those are your weeded whiskey. So they're very sweet, very friendly. And a lot of people like Maker's on the sheer fact that it's really friendly. A lot friendly. of people like Maker's, yeah. Yeah, because it's just a very friendly whiskey. You don't get the bite. You don't get the meanness. And I'm, I'm not a Maker's fan, but I had Maker's 101. It was actually pretty good. I actually, we did a, we did a tasting through the Whiskey Society. It was um, weeded whiskeys versus Tennessee whiskeys. And we haven't talked about Tennessee whiskeys. We'll do that. Um, could you taste, could you basically taste and change, see what flavor profile? And then could you kind of guess what it was? And I could definitely tell the wheats. Because to me, it's just, this is so serious. It's not maple syrup syrup, like, Canadian whiskey, like really super duper sweet, but weeded are they're sweet. I can definitely taste the sweetness in my mouth afterwards, but nothing about it's overwhelming. No, no. And the cool thing is, if you go to Norfolk on the fourteenth, they'll be there. Or you can come to our yes golf event in Charlottesville. Or you can go both. And come you and get see a you. bottle there yeah. and drink it with us. <laughs> That's right. Um, so those would be uh, some of the main types. We also have. We talked about blended. There are corn whiskeys, which would be almost 
moonshine that has actually been aged in an oak barrel. And how would that be different than a bourbon? Because it's just corn. There's no it's corn straight up. It's just corn. Well, well it's, a, it's a high corn, but yeah, there's a. So it, so it gets the corn percentage, but it doesn't have the other things that make it. Yeah, it, it tends okay. to be really high in corn. Um, very sweet, very sweet. It's corn, um, but I think mellow yellow is one. Um, there's a bunch of corn whiskeys out there, but so corn would be one again, high percentage. Uh, but also remember with a the bourbon, there's a aging statements there's chart barrel statements so there's a lot of things to make a bourbon more than just the corn mash um so we do have corn and oh tennessee whiskeys we didn't talk about uh, oh i might have a tennessee let's see like jack daniels uh i do have your jack that you why not why not <laughs> i don't mark brought this I, it's just the one i'm thinking of that's tennessee yes now, what makes a Tennessee whiskey a Tennessee? I think Heaven Hill. Now, that's Kentucky straight. All right. Old number seven. Old number seven. To me, is the number one quintessential great cocktail-making whiskey on earth. Um, but, but the really interesting thing about Tennessee whiskeys and what makes them different is they call the Lincoln County process. So, what is the Lincoln County process? So, basically, when you distill your liquor, you tend to distill it once, you run it again twice to clean it up, and then you slam it in a barrel. It's easy, right? Well, what Tennessee whiskey makes it different and then why the Lincoln County process came about was they do the two distills, and what they do is they add a third distill, which they actually run it through um, charcoal, that is maple, hmm. and they pour all the whiskey through the maple charcoal, and then they barrel from there. Hmm. So they use it one-third. They use a... So does that put a maple taste in it? Uh, maybe a hair. Not so much, but what it does is it cleans... Every time you run it through um, kind of a distilling process or, or a cleaning process, it makes the whiskey cleaner, less bite. It takes away a lot of the flavors. So that's a positive, but... As a whiskey drinker, you want those flavors. Some flavors, yeah. So, so, so some say it takes away some flavor. Where Irish whiskeys are interesting is they triple. They usually triple distill. The U.S. usually double. Scotch is usually double. So the reason a lot of the Irish whiskeys are very smooth and very friendly is they run it through the distilling process three times to take away some of those flavors, make it nicer. But again, the Jack Daniels, actually, the Lincoln counting process is actually going through charcoal, again, just to filter and clean it up. There's something called chilled and non-chilled filtering. Um, if you chill filter, what that does is keeps the whiskey nice and clean. But again, you filtered it again. So you're again, you're pulling flavors out, but your whiskey will never get hazy. If it's non-chill filtered, what your whiskey can kind of do over time is get this hazy look to it. It's still fine to drink. It'll still taste fine but it starts to just get a little hazy, so they, they put a chilling process. The chilling process is kind of going away. You don't see it nearly as much, but then again, hey. So I have a question. So the other day we had, uh, we were drinking whiskey, and I had some Russells. Yeah. And I put it in a glass, and I drank some of it, and I put some more in a glass, and then I left some in my glass overnight yep. on my office desk. It tasted different? No, it, 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 it got, like, cloudy. Yep. What's that from? It's not chill filtered. So it, as the it air... definitely cloudied up in as my... As the air and stuff 
kind of interacts, it starts to get cloudy. Really? So it was not chill filtered. So I'd never seen that, or I had never... Uh, memory full issue. Getting old, you can only remember so much. So uh, we were talking about uh, Jack Daniels and the Tennessee process. So, yeah, and you were talking about chill filtered. So if your whiskey gets hazy, that's what it is. It just was not chilled. Not and chill what's filtered. interesting is it as it interacts with air... And sits out for a while. If you would have tasted it, it probably would have had a little different t- flavor profile. Probably, but I was worried about tasting because it was yeah, cloudy. It was a, you got to remember how much alcohol is in it. Nothing's living in there. <laughs> That's the beauty of the. Again, the beauty of the system is it's designed to so purifying. You, you think about it. If you do Purell in your hands, that's usually anywhere from seventy to eighty percent alcohol. Like. Oh, it's that much? Yeah, it's pretty high. So a lot of some of these whiskeys are getting pretty daggone close to that. It's not like you're drinking Purell. Don't get me wrong, but but on the lower end of the Purells, the cheap the cheap versions that they were selling you during COVID and making money off you, a lot of that. We on the Jack now? Yeah. So this is Jack, and I hate Jack. I just, I don't think I've ever had maybe Jack, had Jack straight. It's it's very sweet. It's isn't it? ungodly sweet. Very sugary sweet. Uh, then you throw Coke in it, it gets even sweeter. Yeah, it's like Diabetes Express. Yeah, I'm going to wake up in, like, a diabetic coma tomorrow. And, again, you know, the, the problem is is when you when you drink things with a lot of sugar, um, there are a lot of, the main reason you get a lot of hangovers is what I've read is it strips the B vitamins out of you. So is when you is? drink a lot of sugary stuff, you pee a lot, you flood the system out of your sugary, out of the B vitamins, that's why you wake up and just feel like... Yeah, it's not the only reason. Like margaritas. It's not the only reason. Margaritas are super yeah. heavy sugar, and you always feel like well, Jack and Coke. After if you put Coke in with a Jack, you know you're looking at a mm. couple hundred calories of just that explains a lot. <laughs> yes. So what do you? Yeah, I got to start going neat, neat with no Coke. It's just it's super sweet smelling. It is super sweet. But there's smelling. not a whole lot else to it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking candy. It's just alcohol. It's just candy to me. Skittles. It's just, it's just <laughs> a Jack Daniels Skittle. It's sweet. You put it on your lips. It's sweet. And then it exits, and it says, drink me some more. But there's, like, not much to it. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. It's a Jack. <laughs> now the Jack's Like, all the, all the other flavors and bites and everything we got, yeah. well, none of that. So yeah, everything's zero. got these... So the complexity... There's no be, complexity. There's no complexity to Jack, but that's what Jack is. Jack is... Where Jack is good is Jack is a whiskey that you can make it do whatever you want it to do. Right, and you can mix it and not you can mix feel it, guilty about mixing you it. You can mix it with anything and you can create any cocktail, like a rye. And this is what's fun about doing old fashions. A fun game is take six different whiskeys, take six different bitters, and just play an old-fashioned game. You go, I'm going to use orange bitters, I'm going to use a rye whiskey... And I'm going to in simple syrup, or maybe I use agave, or maybe I use maple syrup, or change this, that. And it's amazing how different every old-fashioned will taste as you keep changing the different bitters and the mm. sugars and the whiskeys. And you'll find the whiskey old-fashioned that just matches what you like. So why are most old-fashions with bullet? Is that just tradition? or was No, that? no, not every old-fashioned bullet. Not uh, every, but I've had no. a lot that the default was California bullet. loves the bullet, so if you go to California, bullet is like the number one best-selling whiskey in California. I hate to tell you, I almost can't drink this neat. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> it's fucking awful. That's Sorry. why we add the icing Coke to it. I have to, I'm going to have to go back and edit that. No, it literally, I just changed my mind. Yeah, no, Jack is awful. And I've told you for a long time, Jack is awful. And this confirms Jack <sighs> is awful. No, it's almost undrinkable without the Coke in it. <laughs> It is Jack. All right, you got me on that. 
I don't taste anything. That's the no. That's the thing. Is like there's nothing there. It's yeah. It's just empty. For complexity, it'd be very simple. It'd be as one on. I would say for scale. kind of the highest complexities, I think <clears throat> your Mitchers and your Four Roses had some complexity. I think the American Single Malt has some. Um, Lost again. It does again. You when I talk when we talk complexity, you tend to get waves of flavors. So the more waves, yeah, the more flavors. No waves, there's no wave two on this. There's no wave one on it, but this there's is, definitely no wave is, two or three. This is a flat lake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a flat lake. But I appreciate Jack for what Jack is. Uh, Jack is a great selling whiskey, and again, it's designed for the cocktail. Designed, for, designed not to be drink the way yeah. we are drinking it right now. Yeah. It, you don't see many people at a bourbon bar or whiskey bar goes, yes, can I have Jack Neat? Give me a Jack Neat. No. Now I the get Jack, that now. I, now. I can't even hardly finish this The out. Jack single barrel is pretty good. I'm, I'll give him credit. I like the single barrel. It's got a little complexity. Uh, it's not blended smooth and sweet. And I can't finish this. I'll just leave that right there. I struggled to finish that, actually. And the beauty of a tasting... No, actually, that's the first time ever I've struggled to finish a Jack the because it's neat. The beauty of a tasting is if you don't like it, you just don't drink it. It's okay. It's it's it's, it's pennies a, on the it's, dollar. It's You're not, not much. Yeah. Um, so, I think, again, to me, these are all kind of a good understanding of what American whiskeys are. Uh, you know, it's funny. American whiskeys, to me, are brash and bold and tend to be... American, right? A little bit brash, a little sweet. We like our sugar in the States, but tend to be that. And we do it like royalty. Yeah, yeah. And where, where you, you know, the Scots, you know, the Scots, you got to love them. It, they're not British. They're Scottish, but they are British. They're not they're, English. That's they're a sure. country inside. Oh, yeah, we don't even, I don't even know. Wow. I don't even want to wow. talk about It's like you Wales. Keep going. Why not? No, like Wales. It's like, what is there, like three or four countries inside of the UK, but they're, I, what, I, I can't figure it out. There's sheep in Wales. There are, yes. But 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 the Scots, the beauty of the Scots is they created a whiskey. They've created a brand. As the English took over the world, Scotch went with them. So Scotch is everywhere. Scotch is the number one best-selling brand of whiskey everywhere. Like Scotch is everywhere. So, but the beauty is, is America said, okay, we can't make single malts. We can't grow malt here. We have rye and we have corn. And then came kind of the the American whiskey of corn and rye and that's the bourbon right so again i think the really cool part about american whiskeys is they're completely different flavor profile than anyone in the world now the canadians have their take on bourbon but it's different the, the way that they process and we'll talk about that in a future show but you know so again the american bourbon is just bold and brash they tend to be higher proof like most scotches are going to come in 80 90 proof you know a lot of a couple of these i have over here 125 Oof. really High, like again, it's America. They just we do things a little. We just do things a little goofy. Uh, where Scotch tends to be very traditional. Irish was very traditional and about went bankrupt as an entire country. With actually, they had hundreds of distillers and they actually got down to like count them on two hands distillers as the uh, whiskey market died in kind of the mid 1900s uh, and then through the you know 1900s up to. Like about the 80s, like whiskey was dead. So the Irish whiskey really almost collapsed completely. Uh, but they're a little less tradition as Scotch. They they tend to do things a little more. They started introducing the different casks and barrel tastes, and that kind of revived <laughs> them. So so each country does it a little bit different. And uh, you know, like I said, America has that corn sweet, big bold. 
in the barrel less years but comes out darker or more you know just a little more fierce um so that's the beauty of the american whiskey and again we have blended we have single malts we have corn we have wheat we have rye we have bourbon and then we have breakdowns of all of those and then we have tennessee whiskey so you got just lines and lines of different american whiskeys and that's the beauty of it everybody you, i'm gonna tell you right now there is somebody on earth that likes jack neat and they love it i've never met them tip of the cap to you you're tougher than I. <laughs> well, thank everybody for joining us, and I want to end with a toast. Uh, we need we a little pour something. Yes, we got to do an actual pour. So pick a grab something. Pick a whiskey. Pick anything. Yeah, you can pick anything. Wow, I got right. lots to choose from. I guess if we're doing American, you should stay American. So we have American here. We have American over here. Can, can I pick have... something that's not open yet, or do I yeah, got to pick yeah, something that's open? Pick or... No, pick anything. How about I'm just gonna try some whiskey's made to share? There's all American on the bottom. No, 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 we got Irish. You can see the Irish flag. So Irish, right? How about the Elijah Craig? You want to do there? Ooh, this is really good. Is that a good one? Yeah. How about a little? little uh, that was very eye-opening to me because I've never even thought about having Jack meat. Nobody does. <laughs> Not even the guys that create Jack. Not even I'm Elijah Craig. Um, Elijah Craig is a Heaven Hill distill. Comes from the Heaven Hill Distillery. Um, this one is actually 127 proof. Good one to finish on. Yes, yes, it's a great nightcap. Six, so it's 65.7% alcohol. So this would be your low-level hand sanitizer. <laughs> this is uh, barrel proof. means it comes straight from the barrel. 10 years in the barrel. Uncut. Uh, uncut. So uncut it's means dark. no water. 10 years in a barrel. American. This is pretty, this is pretty dark. What do you smell? It smells like a bourbon to me. <laughs> Definitely smells like a bourbon. Right? It's ungodly sweet to me. But there's whatever that other smell is in there I can't put my finger on. Maybe that's just the corn smell that I'm getting. Ooh, that's cool. Bourbon. I get maple syrup at the end. I, I get this wave of just sugar, but it's mapley syrup sweet, not not sugar sweet. Like the, the difference, it, it it definitely in the middle for for a hundred and twenty some proof. I feel pretty, that one in my but it's stomach. Pretty, it's pretty smooth considering it smooth. the amount of alcohol in it. But so I get great smells off the nose. I'm getting kind of dark fruit. That actually burned a little when I hit my stomach. Kind of cherry, kind of dark fruit. I'm getting, I'm getting oak. I'm getting vanilla. I'm getting sugar, the caramel. Oh, we gotta have our toast. Yes, first wave coming in, sweet. Yep. Get a little bit of vanilla. Get the alcohol burn in the middle. Yep. Followed up with oak. I get kind of the oaky feeling, and then at the very end, I get maple sweet. And to me, this is a dry finish. Mouth gets dry, high alcohol content gets dry, but it lasts. <clears throat> so, again, to me... It's a little more complex than the last one we had. A lot more. T what you tend to see, higher proofs tend to be more complex. Well, the last one we just had was... It's got some legs, too. It does have some legs. The last it's one... It's got, we, like, alien spider legs. Yeah. Well, typically, when you start to see more thicker, longer legs, you tend to get higher alcohol proof. Mm. 
So that was kind of a cheat back in the day to kind of no proof. That's kind of a test. Yes. So uh, we'll finish this episode up with Elisha Craig, single barrel, if you get a chance. I highly recommend it. Nice. So uh, a toast for today, like I'm trying to, what happened is I was somewhere and someone asked me for a toast and I freaking blanked. Oh. So I, I, I was able to come up with one. So what I'm trying to do with each show now is come up with a a a kind of a toast, like a go-to. Um, so this one is, um, I wrote it just to make sure I get it right. All right, here we go. Ready? Another day, another bender, no retreat, no surrender. Yeah. Cheers. Salancha. That's a fantastic toast, by the way. That is a good toast. That's a fantastic whiskey, by That's the way. That's a good nightcap right that there. That is a good nightcap. Thank you all. Thank you, everybody. This has been a Fuel production.